that notation. Well, I'd like to have Jacob Chapman and Jill Schatzberger come forward. Would you two come forward? They don't know. They're looking at me like, what are you doing? Okay, so, so I chose Jacob and Jill uh, to have a little competition today. And they're going to be competing for this crisp, not so brand new $1 bill. Okay? I mean, that's big. That's big. We'll lay it right there. So I chose you two specifically because you guys are both runners. Now, some of you guys may be runners as well, but I do know that these two compete for their schools in track, and uh, they have great endurance. And, and I know that you're not in season right now for track. You guys are both playing basketball right now. Are you playing basketball right now? Or are you out of season for basketball? Out of season? Okay. So, but they've got great endurance. Okay, are you guys up for a challenge? Jacob? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I need you to run. No, I'm okay. So here's what, I need two timers, by the way. I need two different people being a timer. Who has a, a there's, I, I literally almost put in my notes, Josh is going to be a timer. Josh, you have Jill, okay? And Grant has, uh, Craig has uh, Jacob. Craig has Jacob, so you're just going to time Jacob, okay? All right, so your job is this. You guys are going to close your eyes. And when I say, I'm going to say, ready, set, go, you're going to hold your breath. And you're going to hold your breath to see who could hold it the longest. Okay? This is going to take lung power. And the reason you're closing your eyes is because I don't want you to laugh at the other person or whatever. I want you to be focused on winning this big $1 bill here. Okay? I'm going to step out of the way so, so our friends can see you. We need Craig and Josh to see you. Obviously, Josh took a seat up front. I like that. Don't breathe out. You're, not, you're holding your breath. This is honesty. Okay? All right, you're in church, honor system. Okay, close your eyes. I want you to try to win. I really do. I want you guys to try to do this as, as well as you can. Jill, are you ready? Jacob, you ready? Timer's ready? Ready, set, go. Close your eyes. both of their necks kind of moving like they're trying to grasp for something. <laughs> Keep holding it, Jacob. <laughs> okay, hey, give them both a hand. What, what, did, what did Jill get? What did Jill get? That's pretty good. 45. 45.13. Wow. Fun exercise for Sunday morning. Why did I do that? We'll get to that later. In the meantime, we're going to turn our Bibles uh, to the book of James. 
We're going to continue our series on the book of James. And, and you know, I don't think I say it enough, but the absolute importance of having your Bible with you. Some of you have Bibles on your phones, a digital Bible. Some of you have uh, the Bible uh, that is located in the front row ahead of you. You use one of those Bibles every week. Some of you have the Bible that grandma gave you 46 years ago that, that you have taped and, and bound up, but you know where each of the verses are located. You can literally think, oh, Galatians 2.20, that's located on the right side, top right side of the page. You guys know what I'm talking about. My grandma bought me my first Bible when I was, a, I believe, a freshman in, in uh, high school. It's a little New King James Bible. I still have it on the front. It says Holy Bible. And, and, man, that was solid. I used that the first time I learned the scripture, my first memor memorized scripture. This isn't in my list. I knew I was going to do this. Galatians 2.20, just like I just pointed out. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. That was the verse that that Bible pointed me to somehow. And it's affected me uh, to this day. Your Bible is crucial. It is, it is your sword of truth. Very crucial to have your Bible with you. So whatever Bible you have, in whatever fashion, would you stand with me as I read the first chapter of James? We're going to begin with verse 19. The epistle of James, chapter 1, starting with verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Heavenly Father, to you we owe all the glory. Thank you for your word, your ancient word that's ever true. Bless our time. Would you speak at this moment? We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Psalm 119, 11, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Are you catching the, what I'm saying here? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Scripture after scripture after scripture, talking about the word of God. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And last in this list, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The author of this letter, James, the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he understood the importance of the word of God. He had the Old Testament available to him. He had the law, so he understood the law, and he had his brother's words. He had Jesus' words. He understood that the word changes us. It affects us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that a, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God is meant much more than teaching us what to do right and wrong. Our Bibles are great. Our Bibles are wonderful. And they do teach us how to act and, and how, to, how to not act at times. But it's given to us to transform us, to truly transform us, to change us in ways that, that you and I can't comprehend. There are things in our lives that we have that are held over us that we're thinking there is no way this will ever change. You may be a teenager in here, and you may be saying, I can never change this. But God can. You may be a 72-year-old in here and, and say, I've done this my whole life. I can't give this up. But God can transform you through his word. Scripture teaches us that. I said it earlier, God's word is like a sword. Ephesians says that it's the sword of the spirit. More than that, God's word is also like fire and a hammer. Think about that. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So we see God's word is a sword, a hammer, fire. What else? According to many commentators, Hebrews 4 that I read earlier, the, the double-edged sword is really a scalpel where it, it could do surgery and slice. Think of what a hammer, fire, a scalpel, a sword, what it can do to a body, to a person. It would change them. Those things just completely change you if you're affected by them. That's exactly what God intends to do with his word. He intends to, to rip us apart and transform us 
into people that are following him. So as we dig into the scripture, right away we see that James wants his, his readers to listen up. He says it right off the bat, listen up, know this. Almost as if he's yelling it. Almost as if he's saying, hey, if you weren't paying attention before, if you weren't listening, even though they were super important stuff that I was just telling you in this letter, now is the time I want you to listen up. Pay attention. We've discussed this as a pastor team that many times we see James, he's almost talking to about a specific situation that happened or he's, he's, he's almost naming somebody in, in his call. We don't know that. We're, we're just deducting that. And, and this might be one of them. He, he may be seeing all these people that, that just aren't paying attention. And he's like, listen up. This is, this is huge stuff I'm about to tell you. And we wander sometimes, don't we? So, so sometimes we're sitting in our, uh, doing our devotions, and, and, and we're sitting there, and, and we're reading, and, and, and maybe we're, we're journaling about stuff, and then all of a sudden we think, oh, my goodness. I got to get shampoo. Let, let me put that on my list. Or, or maybe it's where you're sitting right now. And, and you're listening to the message and, and you think about, okay, I got to make a list of all the things I got to do today and prep for the Super Bowl. Okay, pick up chips. All right, get, get another frozen pizza. That's what I'm going to be doing. It's a tradition in when I grew up. But we wander. Our, our brother Tom here, he said he, he confessed at small group. You know, we do that sometimes at small group. We confess. And, and he confessed that he'll be praying. And, and, and it'll be five seconds into his prayer. And all of a sudden, he's thinking about a, a painting job or, or about Jill's track meet or, or whatever it might be. And then it'll be like, wait a minute. What am, what am I doing? I was praying. I do that too, brother. And I think we all do. Sometimes we pray so we can fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you just want to, you're in the middle of something and you're focused and, and you're energized of worshiping the Lord. And ah, let me just check Facebook real quick. 22 minutes later, after watching all those how to figure out how to make a meal that you'll never make, I do watch all of those things. We get distracted. We are definitely a generation of squirrel. <laughs> that we're looking all over the place. James understood this. He understood that his people were distracted too. By, by all the different life situations going on. By, by the other th things going on. By, by the adversity that they were facing. They were distracted. And he's trying to get their attention. And he's saying, everybody, everybody, listen up. So, why does James and, and why do I want you to listen up? First, so that we could be quick to hear. Quick to hear. And that sounds kind of weird, actually, when you think about it. Quick to hear doesn't even make sense. 
A lot of times I hear people use this passage to remind people to be very good listeners. In fact, I've used it many times in my life to, to remind somebody to be a very good listener. Be quick to hear. Shh. Just listen to what I'm trying to teach you or, or tell you or, or listen. Don't tell me how to do the job. Just listen to this. But I don't think that James is using it in that generic form. That is a good, that's a good uh, life lesson, just to be quick to hear. But James here is talking about something way more important. He's talking about listening to God's word. Listening to God's word, which is more important than listening to Phil Chapman, which is more important than listening to your dad or your mom. Listening to God's word is the most important thing. Remember, this is a letter. What, what, we're, what we're examining here is a letter that was written, not sections. He, he didn't write a paragraph and then three months later write another paragraph. He's writing a letter that's, that's a continuous process, a continued letter that he's writing. And, it, and this is kind of pointing back to what Pastor Dave closed on last week in, in James 1.18. That reads, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. He's also pointing to verse 21, which, which we've already read. What he's saying here is, is that he wants you to be a fervent, an absolute fervent listener of the word of God. And we have issues with that. We have trouble with that. It's tough for some of us to sit and listen and to be an active listener to the word of God. Sherry and I got married at Helmer Lutheran Church down in Newark. We attended there for many years. I think Sherry attended there for 19 years of her life. And, and there is a lady there that is exactly the picture of what I think James is painting. When Pastor Jeff Swanson would walk up to the pulpit, Steph Davidson, who, who passed away many years ago, Steph Davidson would be, after playing the organ, she'd come down, sit in her seat, always on the aisle, and, and she was amazing at what she did in communicating with Pastor Jeff Swanson. As he's preaching, her eyes were, were focused in on him. Her ear was slightly turned to make sure she had an act of listening. She was quick to listening. And her posture was showing that she was just taking it in, taking in God's word from the preacher. What a picture of being quick to listen, to being under the word. This is what James is wanting us to do. He wants us to be quick to listen. I like the way the King James says it, let every man be swift to hear. I like that, swift. So this is a letter. So James is referring back to the trials and temptations He's looking back at him and he's basically saying here, instead of blaming God for your issues, 
Stop for a second and open your ears. Just for a second. And when you open your ears, humble your heart, you'll begin to be transformed. You'll begin to become a new creation. So likewise, James wants his listeners to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Just like listening. This is something that we've used as parents many times to suggest that our kids are talking too much. Good practice to not talk too much. Usually get yourself in trouble. Or, or uh, what, what do they say? Uh, if, if you talk too much, then you uh, ruin any doubt that you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, slow to speak. Again, I don't think that James is using this as a generic form. I, I think he's, he's talking about sharing the gospel, sharing God's word. First part was hearing. Second part is speaking. James is encouraging his readers to be fervent listeners of the word of God. And now he's shifting and saying that if, if, and he, and he has a huge if here because I don't think he wants everyone to teach. Because it is, could be a dangerous situation if you're teaching. Not that you're not sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Not that you're not sharing the gospel in real ways. But to be proclaiming his name in a teaching manner. He says, be very, very careful. Be cautious. Slow to speak. It's what I'm doing right now. I'm attempting to be very slow to speak. Look, just, just flip forward a little bit, James 3. James chapter 3, verse 1, says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's dangerous. That's scary. I stand before you today with that fear of the Lord. I don't want to misrepresent the truth of God. That, that's, that's the danger, and, th and that's why we study. That's why we spend hours and hours every week preparing to speak for 30 to 50 minutes. We spend a majority of our week studying God's word and understanding what he is saying and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to teach us so that we could bring forth his word in a mighty way and hopefully that we are getting out of the way so he can share his message. So working with the first two items listed by James, he's telling people basically to humble themselves before the word. Sitting quietly, hearing the word spoken until such a time that you might bring forth God's word in speaking and in teaching and maybe that never happens. And that's okay. But sitting quietly among, uh, under the word is, is a tremendous thing. Many of you will continue to sit in the swift to listen side. While a handful will move to the speaking side. But James is cautioning us to be very careful. And, and frankly, that's why when you hear Pastor Dave and, and myself and 
and Kevin O'Brien come up. There's not much pop culture, uh, politics, that type of stuff, because we are doing everything we can to preach from the gospel, to preach from God's word, uh, because those ancient words, what, what did you say, Brandon, today to me when I walked into the prayer room? Are, are any new words good or something like that? And, and I had to think about it for a second. No ancient words. Our ancient words are what are pure and holy and perfect. Thirdly, James wants his listeners to listen up so that his fellow believers, so that you and I, that we could be slow to anger. Slow to anger. The end of verse 19 and into 20, it reads, Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The King James says here, slow to wrath. So just to make sure we're on the same page, James again is talking about the word of God. And when some people hear the word of God, it causes them to be angry. It causes them to be angry. James is telling us that a sign of a true believer is one who is devouring his word. Who is devouring his word. One that is being taught as much as possible. Who is cautious when speaking the truth of God and is a person that isn't angry at God's truth in Scripture and otherwise. Romans 8. As I was contemplating this, I thought about Romans 8. A few books before James, it says Romans 8, 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It's hostile. We don't want to hear God's word at times because it is going to affect us. It is going to change us, and it wants to change us, and sometimes we don't want to change because we don't know how to be humble. We don't know how to, how to go under the word of God. You know, if I was talking to somebody, and somebody came up to me and said, oh, Pastor Phil, I've given my life to the Lord. And I looked at their life, and, and I saw no fruits in them. I might think, oh, that's, that's great. But I, I might be worried that they're going to be told one day I never knew you throw that exact same person in somebody who comes to me pastor Phil I gave my life to the Lord and I see no fruits outside of the fact that they are looking to devour God's word they're looking to take it in and they're looking looking to read it and listen to it as much as possible you could you could almost guarantee that they are trusted in Jesus Christ it is an excellent sign of genuine Christianity. Someone who is, who is not angry at God's word, who is looking to put themselves under God's word. Absolutely crucial. James wants his listeners to not only listen, but also to receive the word in purity. He says that each of us should lay aside filthiness and wickedness. Verse 21a, and James says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. 
lay aside. Lay aside here means to take off. So my dad, just like Bill, worked at Commonwealth Edison his whole life. My dad worked at the Rockdale Station, Station 29, which was a coal plant, and he worked inside, and, 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 and where you go exteriorly as well. And, and many times, probably for the first 15 to 20 years of my dad's work there, he would come home, and, and he was just filthy from all the coal dust. And I remember my mom shouting out frequently as my dad would try to walk through the house to take off your clothes and throw them in the washing machine and get ready for supper. He, he, he had to literally take off those clothes because that was the filthiness. He had to lay them aside, put aside, lay apart, put away. Those are all words that these tra this translation used. It means that before the word can really affect, affect you, you must have these things taken off. Before my father could get cleaned up for supper, before there was a chance of that, he had to take those clothes off. Otherwise, that dust would have kept spreading. That's what James is saying here. 1 Peter 2.1 says, So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Put it away. Ephesians 4.21-22 says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the, your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. <clears throat> Ezekiel 18.31 Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. So what is James saying to cast away? To lay aside filthiness and wickedness. In order to, so we could receive it. I heard one commentator refer to the filthiness is dirt that's caught in your ear and that causes you not to be able to hear. Many years ago, many years ago, I, I had an earache that was just killing me. I felt like, and, and I couldn't even hear out of the ear. And I, I, so I assumed it was an ear infection of some sort or, or sinus infection was causing something in the ear. So I went to the doctor. When I went to the doctor, the doctor asked me a, a peculiar question. He goes, do you ever use Q-tips? I proudly stood straight up and I said, yep. Every single time I get out of the shower, he goes, that's your issue. What? He goes, I, I think you've pushed too much stuff back. So he called the nurse in. She has this big old plastic syringe. And, and, and you know, it was a big old tube, and it had warm water in it. And, and, and he brings in that the classic silver bucket thing, lays on it. You guys all know exactly what I'm saying. And, and he has me tilt in like this uh, with my ear to the ground, and and, and they shoot that warm water in, and, which was freaky. And, and all of a sudden, 
you don't want to know what came out. I mean, it was gross. And so the doctor said, well, while we're here, why don't you flip over? And so he did the other side as well, and, and stuff came out of there. But you know what? I could hear. All of a sudden, I could hear. I still use Q-tips every single day. I, I could hear tremendously. And that's the filthiness that was stuck in my ear. And that's the filthiness that gets stuck in our ears that, that we can't hear because we've got other things that are covering our ability to hear God's word. So we've got to clean it out. We've got to wash it out. He also says, rampant wickedness. Some versions say, abounding of wickedness, every expression of wickedness. And again, the King James says, superfluity of naughtiness. His point, we have so much sin in our lives. We have sin in our lives, and uh, we have so much wickedness that's hiding in our heart that we need to purge it. We need to get rid of it daily. This has to be a daily practice. We need to spend time in prayer confessing our sins. And if we do not, if we do not do that, we can't hear God's word the way it's supposed to be heard. Yeah, we could read it, but we can't hear from the Holy Spirit. And that's where confession is so crucial. I'm not saying that anyone here is supposed to be perfect. I, by all means, am not perfect. And that, I don't think that's what James is saying at all. Paul understood this too well. He wrote, wrote in Romans 8, We're all sinners, but those who've committed their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Jesus has washed them as white as snow, and we need to continually bring our sins before him. We have been pardoned, and we shall be cleansed. And if you're a genuine believer, if you're a genuine believer, you understand this. That's who James is writing to. He's writing to believers. You understand this. This is crucial. You understand that instead of fretting over trials and temptations, Instead of fretting over them, like we do all the time, some of us, we, we actually figure out what trial's going on in our lives to add it in there just so we could have something else to worry about. But instead of doing that, we need to turn to the Word of God. Each of us should allow the Word to fill us. Allow the Word to fill us. The second part of verse 21 says, And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I think if, if we did it over again, I'd want to just preach on, on 21B for the entire message. What a solid piece of scripture this is. All scripture is tremendous. All scripture is profitable. Man, this just, this just really really moved my heart this week. 
James is saying that once you have put away all the filthiness and wrath, once you choose to listen quietly to God's word, and once you, you, you choose to speak cautiously, without anger, then you'll truly humbly be able to have God's word dwell in you, implanted, engrafted, ingested. Powerful words. My, my father, he, he spent a lot of time with me just talking to me about life things. A lot of that time in high school was in front of a chalkboard. Now it would be a marker board these days, but we'd be in front of a chalkboard and, and we'd be talking about plays, basketball plays, and, and strategies, and, and, and talking what, what we could do better. But one of the things uh, my dad taught me, and I, and I could remember, I'd go into the house after school sometimes, and he was sleeping in his room because he was working midnight shift, and, and I'd go in there, I'd wake him up, I'd say, Dad, what's going on? And he'd get in a conversation with me and talk to me about life and, and, and tell me things uh, such as, hey, Phil, if you're ever a coach, if you're ever a coach, make sure you put awesome assistant coaches around you. Assistant coaches that are, that are better than you, that know the things, the game, more than you do, and listen to them. Because they'll see things that you don't see. He'd say, if you're a coach and, and, and the janitor who comes in and, and is cleaning the, the bleachers, sometimes the idea he has is the best idea that will take you to the state championship. Listen to him. And you know what his point was? His point was to humble myself. To, to get to the point where I realize that I don't know everything. And that's hard for people to do. To realize that other people, no matter what their degree is, no matter what their life situation is, they may know more. All you do is watch Hoosiers to, to watch that. That's exactly what I think James is saying right here. James is saying when we're truly meek, when we're truly humble, when we approach the word of God, then the spirit can teach us. And the spirit can teach us greatly. He can guide us and teach us. And that's why, that's why we have to put away the filthiness and the wickedness. Because that's part of the process of humbling ourselves. That's part of the process of understanding why we're slow to speak. Why we're quick to listen. Why we're slow to anger. All of those things are because someone has a humble heart. We don't know everything. In fact, we know hardly anything. We think we do. We think we have all the answers. That's in life and in God's word. I was telling somebody the other day that I listened to an 80-year-old man. And I wish I wrote down his name when I was listening to it. it was, I think it was on Moody. And he said... 
At 80 years old, he's just now starting to understand God's word. He was a professor at, I think, Dallas Seminary for many, 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 many years, decades. But humbly understanding that it's just starting to come in view. We have a long way to go. But when the word is truly planted in our hearts, when we truly take it and ingest it, as that one version says, then we could start to be productive followers and servants of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to be. And this is what we mean by, by saying to hide God's word in our heart. At the end of verse 21, James says, which is able to save your souls. Referring to our continual sanctification. We've been justified through faith in Christ. We've been sanctified through our faith and through the hearing and doing of God's word. Just powerful. Finally, each of us should act according to the word and not forget it. Verse 22 through 25 reads, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I like the words in Jeremiah. Jeremiah says in, in 11, 6, 11 uh, verse 6, And the Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Hear the words of the covenant and... Do them. Do them. Jesus asked the question in Luke 46, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Matthew 7, 21, Jesus makes a scary proclamation. Absolute scary proclamation. What's he saying, Matthew 7, 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's scary. That means some of us here who are saying, Lord, Lord, who are proclaiming to be Christians, you may not enter the kingdom of God. You may not be a genuine Christian. You may be just saying it outwardly. James says, don't just be hearers of the word. Don't just be rushed to go through the Bible, to read the scripture and, and try to read it in a year just so you could say, I've read the Bible in a year. Is that good practice? By all means, you could read the Bible in a year. That's, that's wonderful to understand scripture, to understand it, 
in, in a deep way. But if you're just reading God's word just to truly go through it and to zip through it and not understand it, I would rather you go to uh, the third epistle of John and study that for the entire year. That's a single chapter. Just read that over and over and over and meditate on it and understand what it's saying. That would be more profitable than for you to read the entire 66 books of scripture if you're just reading through it just to get through it. When I was a principal in Oswego, I was amazed at all the teachers that would come in. Not all of them, but there were, there were a good handful of teachers that came in that it appeared that they never looked in the mirror. I'm not sure why Doc's laughing. <laughs> you just have no idea. I, they, they, they weren't put together. They were disheveled. I wonder if they looked in the mirror and they just said, you know what? I'm too rushed. I don't have enough time. I, I, I've got to get going. So I can't worry about that. Don't be rushed. Don't be rushed. Just read God's word. Understand what it says. And then act on it. Last words. Three quick things. First, review your day at the beginning and the end. Review your day at the beginning and the end. I think that it's important to not live out our days without us reviewing what's happening. Now, I'm not talking about the business side of things where, where you're reviewing your projects and you're like, okay, I got to get this done, I got to get that done, I, I was able to accomplish this, or, or you're a farmer and you're thinking about, okay, I got that planted, I, I got to get to that field tomorrow, that's good, that's good practice, that's what you need to do. But I'm referring to looking at your day, reviewing it and saying, what sins have I committed against Christ? Seriously, literally thinking, what did I do that wasn't of God? How did I act? Or what, what did I say? Or what didn't I do to serve God? And by reviewing your day, looking back on it, that will give you an opportunity to confess it before God Almighty. Because we have to clean out that filthiness. We have to get that syringe and, and shoot it in our ear to clean it out so we can be quick to listen. And if we don't clean it out, if we don't deal with that, then we can't hear appropriately. I think many times you and I sweep things under the proverbial carpet. We put the, put the rug down and, and we hide it because we don't want to deal with it. 
But I think that's what God wants. And, I, and review your day in the morning. Like, anticipate. Plan your day. What, what are you going to do to serve God today? When are you going to read his word? How are you going to meditate on him? Who are you going to attempt to bless? Are you asking God for opportunities to give you to, to teach in, the, in a way where it's with your actions? Don't be just hearers, but be doers. That, that's the opportunities we have here at Indian Creek. We have so many opportunities here in this town, in Lee, in Waterman. April 15th coming up, we have the Easter egg hunt that we're going to be fully involved with. What an opportunity just to love on people and act and do. Not because that gets us in heaven, but because that's where we get to share God's love. That's where we get to, to, get to exemplify what we have learned from Scripture. Second, remember what you look like. I have this on here for two reasons. And the first one, I think it's important is that we're taking time when we're reading God's word to understand it thoroughly. Just looking in the mirror and remember what we looked like, that's absolutely crucial. Understanding God's word and, and remembering it and, and, and hiding it in our heart. But the second one, second reason is, is because I want you as a believer in Jesus Christ to remember what it was like when you weren't a believer. Some of you, it's been decades. Others of you, maybe it's been minutes. But often we forget what it was like to be a non-believer. God's word has a bunch of stories in it that don't mean anything but historical information to some people. They don't understand God's word. They don't understand why they're living it. That, that's why your neighbor's swearing up and down and right and left. Why wouldn't they? Love them. Care about them. That, that brother of yours who, who cheated on his wife, He's not a believer. Why wouldn't he be living in this world the way he is? Love him. Care about him. Show him God's love. One day maybe, maybe he'll give his life to Jesus Christ as, as you get opportunities to share the gospel in real ways. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says in the NIV, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Be patient with people that are believers. Remember yourself. Somebody was patient with you. Steve Larson was patient with me. I was a fool in his youth group growing up. Wanted to go there for the girls and for the sports and the food. transformed and then I started reading God's word and then 
and I really changed. See, you have to remember your old self. Pastor Dave and I have had great conversations about his old self. Talk with somebody about your old self. That's a great opportunity to, to share how God has changed you. Don't forget about who you were without Christ because none of us are anything without Christ. Finally, read and listen to the word daily. According to the American Bible Society, in a study conducted in 2016, 84% of practicing Protestants expressed a desire to read the Bible more. 88% in another study said they own a Bible. The average household in America, according to that study, according to the people that responded, 4.4 Bibles in every single American home. Yet, only 26% of Americans said they read their Bible on a regular basis. 26%. That's four more times a week. Remember when Jacob and Jill came up here? Remember when they came up here and, and, and Jacob held his breath for 45.13 seconds? They needed air. They, they needed air. They needed air in their, in their lungs. Jill held it for, for 30 plus seconds and she needed air and she had to let it out and, and she splurted it out. If you had my angle over here, you saw Jacob's spit coming out as he, as he let go because he needed air. He, he was trying to take an oxygen. You see what we do is it, we breathe. And that oxygen we breathe out, which causes us to continue to breathe. Maddie here has asthma. And when she was younger, she, she would have asthma attacks semi-frequently. And I remember, I can remember sitting at my mother-in-law's house, her grandma's house. And, and I was sitting, uh, I got her on the bed, and, and I sat behind her. I remember it like it was the other day. And I started breathing and told her, because we didn't have the inhaler with us. And I told her, just try to follow my breath. Try to, try to breathe when I breathe. Breathe when I breathe. All she wanted is one breath. That's all she wanted. Just as we're, we're breathing. That's what we're doing. We need to do with God's word. We need to take it in, ingest it, and let it just sit there and grow. And you know, if, if we get it right, if we continue studying God's word, if we continue to be quiet, all of a sudden we get in rhythm with God. Our breath is just like his. Our words become his because we're not living for ourselves at that moment. We're living for the Spirit, for Jesus Christ. This is the Word of God. Scripture teaches us that God's truth is milk 
water, bread, meat. It's the substance that we need to live on. We all need to get to the point where we're breathing in God's word like we breathe in oxygen. The Bible's essential to our lives because it gives us life. It gives us life. The word became flesh. Jesus is the author and finisher. Amen? What am I going to say? Read the word. Read the word. Read the word. I'm going to have Bill come up here and the other gentlemen get ready for communion as Tom continues to pray or play and, and I'll pray as they work their way up here. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful. We're thankful to worship you by reading your word. Change us, God. Transform us through the power of your word. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.